0: excited about this and by the way if you're single here tonight just put your hand up real quick and put it right back down oh that's a no I want you to stand now that was a lot if you're single stand up go ahead and stand up there's nothing to be ashamed of look at all all right now stay stay that way Shelly raise your hand we got a new singles Sunday school class Sunday mornings nine o'clock Shelly is leading it, the curriculum I gave to her, we prayed about it, you're studying discipleship, and best of all, coffee and donuts. (laughs) Didn't that sound carnal? But I want you to know you're invited, 9 o'clock. It's a great way to get ready for the main service. So I just wanted to let you know we love you and we're thinking of you. And uh, I encourage you to take advantage of what uh, God is doing in our church, Okay. All right, I'm excited about 1 John. Uh, we're headed towards the end. We're headed towards the close. And every time I tell myself, I'm going to go quicker through this, I, it's, it would just not be doing justice to it. So we're just going to, you know, trust me. Just trust me with the word. If I skim through it, you would get skim milk. And so I don't want that. I want you to get T-bone. Yeah. T-bone steak. And so tonight we're going to look at First John beginning at chapter 4 and verse 7 and now before you look up there uh, let me remind you of really what I see the more I study this little book and I love 1 John I love this letter because he tells the truth and if you read 1 John it's like a skipping record it's just like a skipping record and here's what it skips on if you know God you will walk as Jesus walked that is you will obey the word you will have a desire to walk in truth and if you know God you will be growing in your love one for another and that's a skip skip love one another obey god love one another obey god love one another obey god and that's just first john but now he says it in such a beautiful way in a simple way that it doesn't bother you to repeat it and let the same messages come to you over and over again throughout the letter so tonight Let's just stand and read this top verse and then you can be seated the rest of the time and let's allow the Word of God to speak to us tonight. Can you read it out loud with me? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Now do you know any church people who don't love? What in the world does he mean? He who does not love doesn't even know God. Well, that's why we need to get into the language because that would make me think I wasn't saved. I can't tell you I always feel love towards everybody. Do you? Come on. I I mean, there's some people, you know, you want to slap them and then love them. You want to slap them and then repent. You want to go to the Old Testament and slap them and then repent and come back into the New Testament. Come on, tell the truth all right so don't look at me so holy you ought to see those halos they're all tarnished (laughs) amen all right lord thank you for your words speak to us tonight in jesus name amen all right you can be seated let's look at what the word uh, is saying to us i love this apostle john Uh, this was his second to his uh this letter was written around 90 a.d five years later he wrote that little book called revelation and then he was done But so beautiful here. Beloved, when he says beloved, that means divinely loved ones, loved by God. You are a divinely loved one. And when you hear John talking about God, he always talks about God in the context of love. God is love. We're going to hear him say that in just a little bit. But love, love, love. I meant to count the number of times the word love is in 1 John's Uh, the letter of 1 John, I didn't get to, but I will next time. I guarantee you it's just tons of times, because that's what this is all about. Now, so you're a divinely loved one, loved by God. Love there is agape, which is the love produced by the Holy Spirit in the heart of the yielded saint. It's the love which is seen in action at the cross, and it's the love defined for us in 1 Corinthians 13 let me just throw out one aspect of first corinthians 13 love love believes the best of every person love believes the best of every person do you see that in the church do you see that aren't we real quick to but just that one little slice of the pie of love that paul talks about in first corinthians 13 love believes the best of every person You know, I read things like this and I go, wow, if the church is lacking in anything, it's got to be this whole revelation on love. If I don't love, I'm like a banging gong or a tinkling cymbal. There's, There's something hollow about me if I don't walk in love. Now, what he's telling us is that God the Holy Ghost working in you will produce agape love not overnight but you will grow into it you will increase in agape love and agape love is not friendship love it is sacrificial love it is where you are willing to sacrifice self sacrifice um convenience it's the kind of love that you feel like for your your kids you would die for your kids most of us you would sure let yourself get hurt for your kids we're all uh, aghast at this guy that's been in the news lately who, uh, my understanding is, they let him out of prison so he could give his dying son a kidney. And so they let him out, him saying, I'll do it. And when they let him out, he ran. And his son is just dying. And he ran with another woman and they're just kind of scooting around Mexico as I bring this message tonight. And they have eluded a uh, capture And they've gone and interviewed his son, who's dying without this kidney. And he just looks in the camera and says, Dad, I don't understand. I'm dying. Where are you and why are you doing this? Now, here's the response of most people who see the story. That's abnormal. Because a parent, there's something that God puts in a parent that you will give up your life if necessary you will sacrifice big time because of love because of love now let me just draw a little parallel here John is saying if you're not growing in agape love towards one another it's abnormal we're supposed to be growing in love it's not how charismatic somebody is or gifted somebody is or it's how much do they love how much do they love because that's according to john that is the signal earmark of somebody who is walking with god the spirit of god gets in you and you begin to grow in agape love it's not just people who you have affinity with oh i kind of like them we got good chemistry we get along so i love them no it's talking about There's people in the body of Christ you got nothing in common with, but you agape love them. Agape love always carries the connotation of decision. It's it's an act of the will. I will to love that person. John is saying God is love, and so if you're his child, you can't be disassociated from love. It just doesn't even make any sense. Now, so he says the Holy Spirit, the love produced by the Holy Spirit in the heart of the yielded saint is the love which is seen in action at the cross. Jesus loved people who were yelling out, crucify him, spitting on him, making fun of him, having a little picnic at the bottom of the cross while he died in agony. Jesus loved them. And you and me, all of us here, were the enemies of god when he died for us and we were the enemies of god when he convicted us of sin by mercy and saved us now the little phrase notice where he says uh, everyone who loves is born of god that little phrase is born of god is in the perfect tense and i've told you about the perfect tense it means the person has been begotten in the past been begotten of god in the past with the present result that that person is now a child of god anytime a verb is in the perfect tense it means something happened back there and it's impacting me influencing me today so he's saying back then i got saved i was begotten by god and as a result of being begotten years and years ago i'm saved today amen amen The new birth, I want you to say this with me, the new birth is a permanent thing. A child of God remains a child of God forever. I don't know how you get unborn. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I just don't see in the Word where you lose it. Now, the reason I say that is because I don't see in the Word where you lose it. Now, the reason I say that is I don't see in the Word where you lose it. because here's why that bothers me If, if i can lose it and it's up to me to keep it then it's not of grace it's of my works and the whole message of the cross and of salvation is by grace you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves well if i'm not saved of myself how do i keep it of myself well i've known people pastor jeff they walked with god and now they're out there you know what? You don't know what's going on with them. They're probably living in hell. And you don't know how God's dealing with them. You don't know what He's saying to them. So you can chew the meat and spit out the bones. You can walk out here and say, Well, you know, I usually like him, but he missed it tonight. <laughs> well, that's all right. You know what? I'm not perfect. I, I may have missed it tonight, but I didn't miss it on this. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, we all have our little leaning. But that's what I see in the Word. No man is able to pluck them out of my hands. Not even you. Okay. So, especially when I look at verses like this and I look at the language, the language is clear. I got saved back then, I'm saved now. Now, when he says, knows not God, let me go back up to the verse. He who does not love does not know God. Wow, John, that's one of those statements where... He smiles at you and punches you in the gut with a velvet glove. God bless you, dear little children. If you don't love, you don't know God. (laughs) Uh, That's strong stuff. Knows not God is in the verb tense meaning he never knew. He never knew because it's aorist and the aorist a-o-r-i-s-t what that means is something happened back then and its final it's like a judge bringing that gavel down and saying bloop that's it it's done so if something is in the aorist tense in the past it means something happened and that's it and this is in the aorist tense so that when he says he says um does uh he who does not love does not know god it's in the aorist tense he never knew another translator says did not get to know him by becoming born again john is saying if you don't have any love in your heart at all i'm gonna go ahead and say it church john is saying if you don't have any love in your heart at all you have never anywhere back there come to know him now you say that's pretty tough pastor jeff we don't like absolutes like that in an unabsolute generation we don't like messing with absolute truths like that but if i don't have any touch of the love of god in my heart i've never known him so he's saying let's flip the coin if i have come into the contact with the living god i'm going to have some love in my heart agape love and it's going to grow it's going to grow let me just ask you this those of you i think everybody in here more than likely is born again since the day you were born again, can you look back and see now that you love more than you did when you first got saved? Sure. I mean, I know I do. I know I do. I know I love people more than I did. When I first, before I got saved, I was with a rough bunch. I would watch people get beat to a bloody pulp, and I would not bat an eye. Just cold-hearted because when you're not born again and you've never come into the contact with the god who is love who puts his spirit in your heart and births agape love in you then all you got is a vacancy a vacuum because your your spirit is disattached from life and i guarantee you when you're in the flesh you can do anything and you can get so cold-hearted you have no feeling anymore But he who has been born of God has agape love put in their heart the minute they're saved, and that begins to grow. If you're bearing fruit, that begins to grow. And it should be growing. Just just receive it. That's what John says. And who's talking through John? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So it's John, not John talking to it, it's the Spirit of God through John. So here we go. Say it with me. God is love. John tells us bluntly, God is love. Now, that means that God, as to his nature, is love. God is a loving God. It's his nature to be loving. He's merciful. He's kind. He's long-suffering. He's patient he remembers that we are but dust not one thing that he does in our lives through our lives toward our lives is apart from the motivation of love God is love his nature is to love why would anybody not want to come to a God of love we have been permanently born of God through Christ Jesus and as a result the fruit of agape love should be manifesting and growing. It should be. should be manifesting and growing, agape love. You know, I was taking a walk, I've noticed, I've gotten, I've turned into a softie. I'll cry over a commercial. I'll cry over a Kleenex commercial or something. <laughs> you know, and I was walking along and I saw this little toad that had been run over by a golf cart. I think it was Ron. No, I'm kidding. He had been run over by a a golf cart. This is really true now. And I'm not trying to sound like I'm I'm some mushy, sympathetic, overly emotional person. But I looked at that little toad and and he was barely able to move. And he was just trying to to live. And my heart just, I mean, I just, I picked that little guy up. I carried him down to the creek. And I'm going to answer that cell phone and I'm going to say, hi. And I walked down to the creek and I set him right there. Around some water plants, and I put him where I, you know, if he was going to make it, he was going to make it here. And I left him. Three days in a row, I went and checked on him. And I came away the third time going, Jeff, what's happening to you? That's a toad. But I just, I, I don't, you know, I think when you walk with with God for a period of time, you start valuing life, a- and you start caring about people and life you just do I mean I wasn't going to lose my sleep that night if he died but boy was I happy to see him there every day looking better and better fourth day he was gone I choose to think he hopped away I just like seeing life because life comes from God. Life is from God. Well, I cannot. I mean, you're, I know what some of you guys are thinking, "Man, what a sissy!" I go kill deer every year. You know what? I've never been a Bambi hunter. If I needed to eat it, I'd kill it. But since I don't need to eat it, I just want to see him live. Love me anyway, guys. Come on. Now look here verse 9 can we read it together in this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him now that word only begotten is so powerful that phrase only begotten it's from a word meaning single of its kind or only it's used of Christ and it means the only Son of God or one who has no brethren, none like Him. He is utterly unique. There's none like Him. He's the only single begotten Son of God. They're in another like him. I love that. And John wants us to know that. He's utterly unique. And then John said He's sent. That word sent is from a word meaning to send on a commission as an envoy with credentials. And Jesus' credentials were his miracles to perform certain duties. In Jesus' case, his mission was to die for sinners, thus satisfying the justice that God requires. Jesus taught us. Jesus left us so many powerful teachings for life. But his primary reason for coming was to die. How would you like to be born to die? How would you like to know that you were born so that one day your life could be taken from you for the sake of others? Jesus was born to die for our sins. That's why Jesus came. He came to die for us. Muhammad didn't come to die for us. Buddha didn't come to die for us. No world religious leader, they're not even in his stratosphere. He's unique. There's only one. And never be another one. doesn't need to be. Jesus came to die for our sins. Now, let's look at at that a little bit more closely. Sin had to be punished. Sin had to be punished. Justice had to be satisfied. On the cross, Jesus took the judgment for our sins on Himself. God's need for justice was satisfied. The price was paid through His blood. Because, folks, when we sin then we have a debt. We owe for it. Now I'm going to give you a little illustration. Just recently, I paid a friend's bill that had accumulated without his knowledge. Some bills had run up in in his utilities without him being aware of it because they didn't send his bills. And I know that's true because I went to the the place that didn't do it and they found what the problem was. But they accumulated over a long period of time and he got a bill that he could not pay. Okay? Okay? Now, watch this. Justice required that the bill be paid. How many of you have ever tried going into a utility and saying, you know, golly, it was just one of those things. I just missed it. Can you cut me some slack today? They don't even understand that. Uh Uh-uh. Because you owe us. Justice has to be paid. Now, let me tell you something about the character of God. God is love but folks hear this now god is also holy and when sin happens in his universe justice has to be meted out i mean please get this now because sometimes we rest in in greasy grace and sloppy agape and we say well you know it doesn't matter what i do god will just forgive me no no because watch this now grace is free but it wasn't cheap because sin has to be punished justice has to be satisfied when sin happens in god's universe no matter where it happens or who it happens through it has to be paid it's a bill it's a debt that's why the song says he paid a debt he did not owe i owed a debt i could not pay I needed someone to wash my sins away now so justice required that the bill be paid he owed and so did we so did we and we all had a sin debt that we couldn't have paid if we had lived to be a million now watch carefully mercy came into play when he called me and asked for help here's what he said i owe i don't have the money can you help me with this debt mercy moved me mercy moved me but grace which is undeserved favor came into play when i agreed to settle the debt and satisfy justice i couldn't just it wouldn't have done me any good to say to him boy my heart goes out to you lord help you lord help him i'm just praying for you over the phone oh i sense the anointing do you feel that well god bless you see you now he'd say, "What was that? <laughs> because there's something in us that says if somebody has mercy, then it will move them to action, and the action is, is grace. Now watch this: Mercy moved God's heart for the human race. Here's John 3:16. "For God so loved the world with a pitying love, mercy that He did what? He gave, he went to the utility company, so to speak, and he paid the debt, grace. He gave his unique son. Mercy moved his heart, but grace satisfied his need for justice. Don't ask me how it happened. I don't understand it, but this is what happened. Jesus hanging on the cross between heaven and earth, When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Father had abandoned him for a brief moment. Because at that moment, he took our sins on his sinless body. And he took the wrath and the anger that God had to pour out on sin. He took it. The sacrifice lamb. That's why he was called a lamb. Behold the Lamb of God. He took the wrath, the anger, the alienation from God. He took it on his body. And on Jesus' body, God poured out his wrath and was able to satisfy his need for justice. Mercy over our heavy debt load of guilt and shame moved God's heart. But grace produced his free gift of forgiveness, which took our guilt away. When I went into that utility company, I did just what Jesus did in a microcosm. You know, I walked in and I wrote a check. Here was my friend. He owed a debt he could not pay. Now, if I had mercy and only mercy, what good did that do anybody? But because my mercy moved me, then grace kicked in and I paid the debt that he could, could not pay and a debt that I didn't owe. And then, see, his debt was cleared by somebody else. So the woman took a stamp and stamped on his bill, paid in full. And he said, thank you, Jeff. And I said, hey, my pleasure. And here's what Jesus did. He went to the, he went to the table, he went to the desk, he went to the, the debt counter, and the only thing that would get us out of debt to god for our sin was blood his blood his righteous blood sinless blood so he took his blood and he laid it on the counter and he said here they can't pay it they'll never be able to pay it but i'm paying it and god paid in full So we turn to Jesus and say, thank you, I couldn't pay it. He says, my pleasure. I had mercy, but my mercy moved me to an act of grace, undeserved favor. So the only way you're ever going to get into heaven, I don't care what you think about hugging a tree or having some other religion. It's it's a matter of your, your debt to God has got to be satisfied. And the only thing that satisfies it is the blood not your good works if our good works could have done it the old testament would have sufficed but the old testament left us with an aching void and major maximum frustration because it closed out malachi closed out with this tremendous frustration no matter what i do i can't live up to his standards so that's exactly what i wanted you to see because behold the lamb of god here he comes okay amen it's good stuff now look what paul said but god who is rich in what here's what came first the mercy because of his great love with, with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with christ how did He do it by grace you have been saved so first came the mercy the mercy moved him to an act of grace and by grace you are saved He paid the debt can we give the lord can we just thank him right now for paying that debt lord we just thank you right now that we can stand with a guilt-free conscience that we can fellowship with you that we can have that terrible terrible burden of sin lifted off of us because you went to the counter and you paid with the only currency that would work the blood thank you lord for shedding your blood amen okay here we go in the, read it with me would you in this is love not that we love god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins say propitiation with me can you propitiation what in the world does propitiation mean all right propitiation in the english dictionary means to appease but that's the pagan meaning that's not the new testament meaning The pagan worshiper of false gods brought gifts to his God to appease the God's wrath and make him favorable towards him. We've all seen this happen in movies and junk, you know, some pagan religion and there's drum beating going on and people jumping around in funny-looking costumes and they bring something to some false god to try to appease his anger. And that's, that's the pagan understanding of propitiation. But the God of Christianity, ladies and gentlemen, needs no gifts to appease his wrath and make him favorable toward the human race in our own strength we can never satisfy god's righteous requirements cain taught us that when he sacrificed that vegetable offering god is not a vegetarian god's wrath against sin cannot be placated by good works no matter what we do only now watch this only the infliction of the penalty of sin which is death will satisfy the just demands of His holy law, which the human race violated. The soul that sins, it shall die. Why did man start dying after sin? Because the only punishment that God could mete out that satisfied His need for justice was death. That's it. That's why the whole human race died. With sin came death and when people died God said that's the only, listen, sin is a capital punishment or brings a capital punishment. It's a capital crime. So it was serious, wasn't it? The New Testament meaning of propitiation is that Christ's death on the cross satisfied the justice God needed to placate the wrath of God against sin. That's why God can raise us from the dead and not leave us dead because the justice he needed to be meted out against sin what happened on the cross when he poured out his wrath on Jesus Christ. Now let's go to a couple more verses and we're done. Breathe deep and say praise God. I know this is a lot tonight but are y'all with me now? Are you enjoying this? All right, now 4.11 let's read it together. Beloved, if God so loved us we also ought to love one another. Now, what do you think is moving him here? If if God so loved us, what's he thinking about? That God loved us so much, he didn't leave us in death, but he sent his son to die in our place. And so that's the so loved us. He's referring to the incredible infinite love that was manifested on God's part when he sent his son to die on a cross of shame to pay the sin debt we could not pay. I guarantee you, the heart of the father was pierced, when sin was laid on the sun at the cross and His holiness demanded or demanded that He abandon the sun, I guarantee you that's why the earth reflected and manifested God's agony. Because at high noon, it was pitch dark. In the same manner, says John, the saints have a moral obligation to love one another constantly. Hmm? all right verse 12 can we read it together no one has seen god at any time anybody here seen god just want to be sure if we love one another god abides in us and his love has been perfected in us god here means deity in its essence his character essence or nature is stressed nobody has seen god if you did you drop you you'd be dead you'd die now the word see is from a word meaning to behold or look upon or view attentively or to contemplate. Nobody has seen God and just sat there and stared at Him. There's God. Mm-mm. Nobody has done that. Nobody. So He says, Deity in its essence, nobody has ever yet beheld and no one has the capacity to behold Him. His love is per- affected in us means that if we love one another the love which God is in in His nature has accomplished its purpose in our lives by making us loving and self-sacrificial in our characters. That's one of the ways we know that God has touched us. We know by His Spirit that dwells in us and we know by the fact that we're growing in the love of God. So, you know, with all the hooting and hollering and jumping and tambourine banging and everything else that goes on in churches, here's how the real proof of the thing is known. If you're really walking with God, you're growing in love. You're growing in love. Can we stand together? Amen. Father, how many of you can say in light of this, the church needs to grow, doesn't it? Father, we just thank you for the power of love. We thank you, Lord, that The evidence of God in our heart is that we are growing in love. And we thank you, Father, for touching us with the Spirit of God. We thank you that he dwells within us. We praise you for the evidence of that. Help our church to grow in love. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Sunday for Steady in the Storm and a great worship time. God bless you. Have a good week.